You're all so awake and alive and alert on a Monday morning. Has to be the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Thanks for your welcome. Um, it's really nice to be here again. What a nice place you have. Do you do this every week? <laughs> There's real work to be done. Um, Brianie, where's she gone? Brianie? Where's she gone? In the kitchen. How can you move from worship to the kitchen? It's just. I just wanted to thank you for your welcome. and I think it's amazing what you're doing. I really do. I think what you guys are setting up. And um, it's just wonderful. It really is. As soon as I come in here, I think the presence of God's here. What could he do today? Thank you, Brani. Are you making lunch as well as worshipping? Are you sneaking some food that I didn't know about? Uh, breakfast. You had breakfast in there? What have you got? Okay, leave it. Let's carry on. Okay. Um, so, thanks. It's, uh, it is a treat to be here. And um, I'm kind of always nervous about these things called the Father Heart Day because I think, oh my goodness, um, you've heard tons on it already. I know that. Um, and anything I share is only what I'm on a journey in, not because I've sussed it, if you understand that. I, I really sometimes think, oh God, there's so much more. And I'm so hungry. What on earth am I doing trying to share with other people? So if I share anything helpful to you today, that's wonderful. Because uh, all I can share is that of my journey in the end. Um, you all know the truth. I am... I kind of think he wants to fall on us today in a fresh way and just visit us. And um, I do. I think this is a day where he wants just to fall on us. And you know, sometimes you've got every truth stuffed in your head you can ever have and yet there's something in our hearts that just wants to welcome him, isn't there? And have him fall on us. So I'll, I'm going to stumble around. It won't be neat. I'm really sorry for that. I've tried to be neat. It just doesn't work. But if in the stumbling around, some seed just kind of land into your journey that help you, then, you know, I pray such blessing on the seeds because they're the things that grow into a big deal inside, aren't they? Ah, so I come from Bath. How many of you have been to Bath? How many of you haven't been to Bath? Oh, you've got a treat in store. But you need to bring lots of money if... <laughs> Bath is destined actually for heaven to break open and lose amazing glory in the city. So that's the big deal about Bath. So let's just... just uh, how do you start these things? I'll start with a bit of a story that really touched me last year. And um, you probably saw this too, but I was thinking about it as I was coming. Um, last November there was a... Um, a Remembrance Day celebration in the Albert Hall. And they had about three, I don't know how many thousands of people in there. And the Queen was there, and royalty was there, and military was there, and the place was thronging with incredibly important people. Really, really big deal. And they had marching bands, and you probably, some of you may have seen it if you, there was nothing else good on to watch. And, um, and what they had there was, in the middle of it, they'd, they'd got together some girls whose dads were abroad somewhere serving in Afghanistan or wherever and if you saw this you, you know what I'm talking about and but it <clears throat> and what happened was they got these girls together and they interviewed them about how they 
kind of, you know, their dads were away in some country, how they really missed their dads, but they'd probably see their dad in four months and whatever, and they were all kind of very together girls, you know, and somehow, and they got a song they sang, and they came right into the movie Albert Hall, onto this arena, and stood and sang their song, and it was, you know, really beautiful, and there was a little girl in the front who was the youngest, who had a bit of a solo in it, and so it was a major occasion that they'd practiced for, and was really beautiful and you know very moving in the middle of it all they'd had other people on and the commentator for the evening who's that BBC guy I can't remember his name um, but anyway he uh, at the end of the song the whole place clapped and cheered them and these girls looked really great and, um, and the commentator said well it's been wonderful we appreciate all your dads are away and then he turned to the youngest I can't remember her name and he said, and so and so to this girl, um, your dad is, obviously we know he's away for five more months somewhere else. But tonight we've got a special surprise for you. We've got a, a real, real surprise for you. And there's an absolute stillness in the room because nobody quite knew what was going on. And uh, he said, tonight uh, we have a surprise and uh, the doors at the back of one of the gangways opened up. And suddenly in walked this really smart military guy really done, you know, properly for the occasion. And the little girl just looks up and suddenly she loses all composure at the moment because she's seeing her daddy has appeared out of the top of the gangway and he's walking down and she loses it completely, forgets the occasion and dashes across the ground floor of the arena as he walks down and he sees her and you can tell he's trying to be composed because the Queen is there but suddenly being a dad is overcoming and he's he just has to move forward and his arms open up and she's quite small and she <clears throat> she just she jumps up into his arms with the most incredible hug you could ever imagine just and he grips her and it's interesting because it isn't on YouTube but on the actual evening the camera panned in on her face as she buried her face in her in his arms and kind of you could see this mixture of sobbing and delight and wonder that out of nowhere her dad would have appeared and the greatest thing for her wasn't the Queen or anybody else there was her dad was in the room she was in his arms and it was a long hug and the camera just saw you saw her face like you couldn't imagine a greater joy to be in her dad's arms and it was like for a moment I thought oh my goodness come on everybody there's a prophetic moment occurred in the Albert Hall in front of very important people a moment of heaven is just crossing the room with yet another demonstration that every human heart is longing for and the commentator was kind of like, okay, on with the program, you know, quick. He, he, he kind of missed the moment that if they'd hung there, how many in the room would have been awakened again to the greatest need of any human heart which is to be embraced by a dad's love and to come home. And uh, I thought about the dad a bit. I thought here he would have been on a plane from Afghanistan or somewhere, I guess, and... You know, what a weird thing. He's going to the Albert Hall with the Queen and everybody. And yet, I, I wondered how his mind 
and his heart would have really been thought, what, what, what would it be like when I see her? And a, a dadness would have come over him <laughs> as he thought and replayed it again and again and again. He must have gone over it. What will it be like when I walk down and I see her and I haven't seen her for months? And she'll run over and he must have gone through it a hundred times. The deal being, your father in heaven, that's a tiny imperfect picture of a passionate longing in him to do the same for us. Isn't it? You think that's a bit hard to believe? Well, I'll tell you what, every prophetic sign on earth that occurs is only a tiny bit of an invitation towards something more amazing than what you see naturally on earth. Does that make sense? And I don't know how we get into that. I don't know how I have to stumble around, but I think he wants to fall on us again and again and again and again because we need the emotional embrace in our hearts of that kind of love like nothing else, don't we? And uh, I think we need it a lot. I think we have to sort of shut the mind up, tell it to just be quiet and kind of open our hearts best we can and say, yes please Father, would you come on me and fall on me because I need that embrace around my heart. And uh, <clears throat> I'm always attracted to stories all the time on earth. Uh, anything that prods me to realize there's a greater wonder for me to experience from heaven. Uh, every film I see seems to grip me. I, I was on a plane last week, but it sounds it, we, a long journey, and uh, I'm sorry, I watch DVDs. And I should have read my Bible. I, I did try, but it was no good. The DVDs won. They were good DVDs. But it's amazing, out of three DVDs that I consumed, two of them were about father issues. Why? Because there's a cry, isn't there, amongst every human being to have that kind of embrace. When, uh, when it says in 1 John 3, 1, um, how great. You know, how many of you got this on your fridge? somewhere how great how great is the love the father has what lavished on us Holy Spirit help us to engage with the embrace that he wants to give us how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. Listen guys, forgive me, but this is the heart of the gospel. I don't want to give a father heart message. I just want to get to the heart of why we're even here, born for love, made for love, created for love, signaled by every which way message he could send us, I'm after you for love. And I looked up the word lavish once, some of you know this. I thought, what does lavish mean? I can think of my daughter, she won't like me saying this, with peanut butter and toast. I can get a little picture there where the knife goes in and a mountain comes out on top of the knife that spreads across the toast to the point where the thickness of peanut butter is thicker than the toast. 
and then, forgive me, don't tell her I said this, the knife goes in again when she thinks I'm not looking with another mountain which pops straight in the mouth as a prelude to what's coming. I think that's lavish and outrageous to do that with peanut butter. Probably not best for the heart. But you know what that word really means? Listen, this, this verse, how great, how great is the love the Father's lavished on John. So that the Albert Hall becomes a rather faded picture of a wonder. The word lavish actually means heavy downfall. We're pretty used to that at the moment, aren't we? That doesn't take any great imagining. (laughs) But do you understand? It's like the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures wants us to sort of somehow clamber into the wonder of what is being handed out from the Father to us. How great is the love the Father has heavily downpoured upon us that we would be called children of God. And the problem for us is, or for me, I'll speak for myself, is that my whole history has been so messed up by sin and shame and feelings of failure and all that stuff that it takes me time to imagine that a human as frail as me is allowed to be so profoundly embraced by him. Doesn't it? If we're honest, maybe you've had clean lives. I haven't had a clean life. So over here is the shadowy sound that constantly wants to rob me because of my frailty from the absolute certainty that he wants to chase me with an embrace that will mess me up inside out. Hmm. You all look very clean and non-sinful. I'm doing my best. <laughs> you understand? And so, and so, so Jesus struggled wrestle, battle was with Pharisees who constantly wanted to come along and say and this, and this, and this, and this excuse me hitting you John, but I know you and this yoke we're going to put on you and Jesus is saying how dare you do that you want to make them twice as much a son of hell as you are isn't that interesting? there is different kinds of sonship Pharisees, you're, you're wanting to make these people twice as much a son of hell. What does hell do? Put heavy yokes on. What does hell do? A bunch of ought-tos that are so stacked up that you think, well, if that's the deal, how could I ever be embraced? Because, listen, I, I, you don't understand my record. <clears throat> do, you, do you understand? Hi, Joel. So, so um, you with me? So Jesus' battle is actually with the very people who are piling on religious things, saying, if you do this, you ought to, you ought to, you ought to, and he's saying, you make them like a son of hell. That's the design of hell, is to stop the embrace. Did you hear me? The design of hell is to stop the embrace. So we would love it, wouldn't we, today, if the Holy Spirit shifted a few more boulders out the way that kind of hold us up from the embrace? What I mean by the embrace, I, I actually think we're meant to be so loved up like that, that our whole inside being feels moved deeply by being so loved. Don't you? I'd like to be. I, I'd like to be like that, wouldn't you? I'd like to be. Come on, guys. What does it say that you may be filled with all the fullness of God? Either I put that aside and say impossible. I say, how about me, Father? How about you? 
Is it possible you could be so overwhelmed and embraced by his love that you're completely messed up? Is that possible? Mm. Mm. The truth is, it's taking me a long time to discover really, really how extraordinary this father of mine is. Why? Because I've got so much history, so much current stuff, that sometimes I sink away a bit and forget the wonder this is what it's all about. It's being divinely embraced by a dad who absolutely treasures you. There's no clock. Oh, there's a clock here. I thought there must be. <laughs> all right. <laughs> so, I can't say anything but simple things. For instance, here's, here's something... Um, you are absolutely, totally accepted and received by him. Let's do that one for starters. There's no point in having a cross here and singing about it and looking at it if we aren't aware of the exchange has already happened so that you can have the embrace. You're absolutely accepted, received by him without question just because of the cross. For through him we both have access to the Father, Ephesians 2 says, by one spirit. So you have access to the embrace. It's been settled at the cross already. I said again, for through him, Jesus, you both have access to the Father by one spirit. Um, we, we have a... Um, we have a... Um, some of you know this other one. Our youngest is in a wheelchair. And uh, when we moved to our new house, <coughs> excuse me, um, uh, because he's in a wheelchair, we had to transform the whole house so that he could have, uh, we had to make a ramp up to the front door, we had to do the whole back garden, we had to change the whole downstairs. Why? So he could have access to home. Right? So the ramp gives him fair access to get inside the home he so loves. So when Jesus said, I've made the way, in the way he's made, he is the way, so that you and I have access to the embrace that we long for. <clears throat> um, I love every story of access. Why? Because again, it speaks to me. Hey, remind myself, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There is now. When is now? When was now? It is, right now. There is now. We just had another now. Okay, there's now. It's important, isn't it? Because sometimes we even slide away from that. I know I'm saying simple things, but I'm going to say them. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ. The Pharisees were constantly bringing condemnation. Jesus came and said, I haven't come to condemn. I haven't come to condemn. Sometimes our religiousness even robs us of the embrace. I haven't come to condemn. There's now no condemnation. None, 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 none. Not for a minute, not for a second. Why? The cross again, isn't it? Um, I, I have to have a confession to you. I, I don't watch a lot of television. You think I do. I don't watch a lot of DVDs. You think I do. I don't. But, however, we have had a... Don't laugh at me. Okay, we've had a series given to us, which I, I just love. And I'm sorry to confess it to you. 
and it's called West Wing. Right? Now, I know it's a long time ago, and you know, but did any of you see West Wing? Okay. You, yeah. You, well, okay. All right. Thanks, man. Well, what's your name? <laughs> right. You, you got it. So, so it is fantastic. Now, it's about the president of the United States. All right. It's 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 a political soap opera, but I love it, and we we're hooked. Okay. We've got a, bit, a huge box of them, and. Um, and I love it all. It's just it, so the president is a kind of really presidential kind of guy. You know, he's thick set and he's, but he's kind of fatherly as well. And he has a whole staff, and the whole story is about his staff. And uh, uh, and and it's wonderful because you know to get into the into the Oval Office, so that you can see all the people you've got to go through to get into the Oval Office. You've got the secretary there, you've got his personal aide, you've got all the people there that you have to go through. And most people never get anywhere near it, even to get into the West Wing as a deal, let alone get finally to the presidential office. Okay, but you can get there if you're very very important, and there's a route through all the people. But every now and then, a different door in the Oval Office swings open. And in runs, I can't remember her name, his second daughter. And his whole demeanor changes from running the world to... He absolutely adores her. And he kind of sits on the sofa and he puts his arm around and tell me how you're doing, da 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 And she didn't come through the blooming right route. She sneaked through the door over here and just seemed to think, I can come in here any time. <laughs> and it's very sweet because his whole face changes and he just kind of goes all a bit sort of softly after having, you know, just missed some ambassador or done something. But this week we saw an episode. Yeah, we're still watching it. It's about the 3,000. We saw an episode where his other daughter wouldn't contact him. He's really grieved about it. And um, it's a funny story. Anyway, she eventually is summoned because she says something about him to the Oval Office. And she sits outside on the bench trembling at having to see her dad. And when she's ushered in, she's all kind of frozen and won't get near him. And he kind of can't understand why. And the reason is she's never connected with him and she's afraid of him. And so she can't access that intimacy of being with him because she's afraid of him. Anyways, the point of the cross, isn't it? Is I, I want to kind of give you a bolster of confidence to say you're due an encounter. You're due to be embraced. There's no question about it because it's been paid for already. Um, I got a sneaky thought that when I eventually finish my life on earth and meet him I think I'm going to be overwhelmed with the wonder of what he's like in his face I don't want to get there and kick myself I didn't trust enough on earth to believe it before I actually saw him face to face don't you? I kind of want to go all the way in trusting and daring. He's absolutely passionate about me. But I feel like it or not, I want to go all the way because I don't want to kick myself when I get there and think, oh my goodness, you're that outrageously kind, caring, loving papa to my very being. And all the time I stayed away a little bit because I didn't dare through my frailty I could have that sort of level of close intimacy with you all the time. Does that make sense? I, 
I don't want to do that, do you? I'd, I'd like to dare to trust even more now in another little step today, another little embrace today that gets my heart cooking a bit more to say, this is the absolute reason I'm on the earth. Actually, I believe, as for the president, he wants to be a father to me and you far, far more than we ever, ever have dreamt or necessarily want. We'll touch some things today maybe that get in the way of that. But I honestly believe he wants to be a father ah, to you in a way that maybe you can't quite dream of would be possible. <clears throat> we do need the Holy Spirit to connect, don't we? My central verse in the Bible, I put central verse, is Luke 15, verse 20. I've just put a square around it, it just says central verse. And um, it says this, and you know it so well. Do you remember what it says? Little test. When he was still a long way off. Even that is stunning. Why? Because for every human being it means wherever their hearts feel, he is on the look for that heart to say, when he was still a long way off, his father did what? Saw him. And that's a seeing of love. It's kind of looking, isn't it, for every possibility of hooking that heart with love. His father saw him. What did he do next? He ran, which is, you've all heard a million talks, but I'm going to say it because it helps me to remind me. He is on the move to touch and bring home every possible heart he can find. However far away somebody feels, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So the Father, right today, will be actively looking for my heart and your heart and running towards us in that strange sense of heaven and earth. What did he do next? Did what? Fell on his neck and kissed him. <laughs> A big hug. See? Why do I put central verse? Because for me that represents the very connection you were born for. So his father sees, runs, and then falls on him and kisses him. And my whole Christian journey, I started completely the wrong way. I, I mean, I'm 40 years in the faith. And I always started with this set of ought to's and should do and ought to and yokes on me and felt eternally failing at it. I never came through the doorway of the embrace. And what happens after the embrace? Where do you go next? What happened to the prodigal after he was embraced? Come on. Goes back to the house where he lives. Doesn't he? Where he resides. That is where he now lives, is in his father's house. Love, presence, closeness, bosom. Whatever you want to say about it, but the only, that is the phenomenally ridiculous thing I miss completely is, that is the way Jesus opened up was that I would be embraced by his love. I don't always feel it. No, I don't. Driving up this morning, I didn't feel overwhelmed in the car. I wouldn't mind that, but I didn't. Does it change an inch of his affection for me? Not one inch. Absolutely loved. 
but I want every embrace possible to bring me more home than ever, so I live there more often rather than some of the other places we live, which we may touch in again today a little bit. Do, do you understand? So, so the idea that he's a father who's running towards you is very difficult for some Christians. We may, we may do a few father types, but it, John says it's just difficult. Yeah, I, know, I know it's true, but not me. He wouldn't run to me like that. Well, he does want to do that. And so I'm trying to learn to live under his love every day and every minute because I figured that's a much more better place for my home for my heart than living away from his love and having to try and find his love every now and then to have a bit of a top up and then I don't want that kind of life, do you? That's not what Jesus is talking about. That's not the way he opened up. What's it like to live under his smile? You know, you know, mystic, I discovered a mystic recently in the 1600s who was talking about living under the Father's smile. This is not a new kind of extra bit of message for those who need a bit of soft cuddlies. That's ridiculous. This is a profound heartbeat of the Gospel that even in the 1600s they were writing about living under the Father's smile. So what's his face like? This father. What's it like? What would I see when I meet him at the end that he wants me to engage with now? What is his face like? How many of you know faces are a big deal, aren't they? Don't look around at the moment. Anybody. But faces are a big deal, aren't they? I seek your face, Lord. When we see your face. What do we mean? What do we really mean? What goes on inside you when you think of that? Because people's faces tell you an awful lot about them. There are some faces I don't feel like cuddling up to. I used to have a... Um, I used to have a... Uh, I, when I was, a, I was at boarding school as a kid and that, that, that was a big deal. And in my secondary boarding school, whatever you called it, we, 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 our little common room where us, we were about, I don't know, 13, 14 year olds, we were in a common room around here. And the head's room was just down the corridor a bit. And um, the head was an Irishman, an ex-boxer, with huge cauliflower ears and a big, square, chunky red face. And, and uh, I was already pretty orphaned, I have to say, so, you know, that was a big deal. And, then you, and, and so this head, if you like, represented the father of the family. Because we were in school, you know. That was all we had. Boarding school. That was, so he was like the father of the family. Well, uh, every now and then, a kid would be summoned to see him. And the kid would knock on the door. And you'd hear, ah! Sorry to shock you, but that's what you heard. <laughs> and then the kid would go in. And then you'd hear, <laughs> And there'd be a silence. Then you'd hear, And then the door would come and the kid would go out, you see. Now, I have to tell you, he would then come out with his red bull face and his big cauliflower ears. I didn't feel like saying, hey, do you want to come over here and have a little sit down together? Or knock on his door and say, could I come in for a hanging out time? Well, I wouldn't even dream of getting near him. I was terrified of him. Just terrified. I mean, he was just terrified. And sometimes he'd be nice, kind of. 
But when you've known the other, you don't give your heart to the man do and say, maybe I'll hang out after all. Because the next minute, it was the same replay of another boy being summoned. So how many know faces make a difference, don't they? Is he smiling on us? Is he? Really? What do you think? And if he is, what does that mean? And if he says to John, forgive me picking on you, John, but you're in the front row. If he says to John, I really enjoy you, John. For many Christians, instantly they look in the kind of report card, check it through and say, that can't be true. You should read the report card. Oh, that, that's not true. He can't enjoy me. He loves me. God loves me. But he enjoys me. No, he couldn't enjoy me. He's God and I'm this frail human being. <clears throat> I think the concept of being enjoyed by him is, is stunning. It undoes all sorts of sort of little limits in here, doesn't it? To think, he enjoys me? He enjoys you? Does he or doesn't he? Is that biblical or a bit of wish-wash? Can I find any scriptures? Well, how about he will take great delight in you? What happened if you lived in being enjoyed by a papa who thinks the world of you? What does that do for the human heart? Huh? It's a bit of freedom around, isn't there? You start daring to be you. <sighs> this is making sense, am I? Alright, I'll make sure I'm not bumping. See, I can only use human examples because I found them helpful as pointers to the wonder of what he really wants to pour out on us. Um, in about a month's time, um, my daughter uh, lives, lives and works in Africa. And um, in a month's time, she'll be back. <coughs> Beginning of April, so I can't remember. And um, I haven't seen her for a year almost. Now, I'm a frail, imperfect father, trust me. There's nothing I can sing of that has been... Uh, but I am a daddy, and I absolutely adore my kids, despite every frailty. I adore them. And I know that days before she arrives back, I'll be beginning to picture it. Don't be such a softy. I'm not a softy, I'm a dad. I'm picturing the return of my daughter because I can't wait for her to come back. I'm already beginning. It's February for crying out loud. You know, now it's not a big, but you know, it's that kind of inner it there. She's in here somewhere, as all my kids are. I'm a frail, imperfect father, but I know that a few days before I'll be going over it fairly a lot. I'll be going to the airport in my mind and I'll be imagining myself standing there and then shook. And I remember that I know the day when I actually go up there. It, it, it will be pretty exciting. And you know airports. I was in one last week uh, because in airports there's all sorts of people there. The people who scare me are the people who stand with a sign saying Mr. Codswallop and their faces are like granite because this is the millionth Mr. Codswallop they've had to meet at the airport. It means absolutely nothing whatsoever. They're simply doing their job looking for Mr. Codswallop. 
There's no emotion when they see Mr. Codswallop. They shake his hand and say, good morning, Mr. Codswallop. They take his bag and they go off. But for a dad and a homecoming, where my, I, I will be over... No, that's nothing. I, but, you know, I'll be over the bal- balcony, the, whatever it is, the barricade, and I'll be looking for her to come through the door, and then it's over. I can't stand there. Not because I'm great, but she's my daughter. This is a homecoming. I know, Jolly, what will happen. Everything will be lost because we'll run for the embrace. Homecoming. I can't wait for it. Now, I will not be thinking, now, before we have the embrace, let's just, darling, have you been behaving well recently? Um, could you just tell me how the last couple of months has gone? Have you been keeping your bedroom tidy back there in Africa? Uh, have you been doing the Bible time in the mornings? Because we just need to check out before we have the embrace. Is that okay? We're just standing here and have a little accounting time. Let's see how it's gone. You know, we don't get over-emotional here, do we? Because I need to know how have you been behaving. That would be outrageous, wouldn't it? Do you, do you understand why? Because my whole heart is set on giving the biggest hug I could imagine. Saying, welcome out. Welcome back. And we'll talk and talk and talk and talk. And I'm not after how she's done. And what does that tell me in my imperfect frailty? It tells me he's not interested in your record card. Or how have you done? Let's check up before you have the embrace. It is a million miles away from his heart. He just wants to find our hearts and bring us home. And so often, internally, you can be a Christian for 40 years, I still internally sometimes think I haven't done very well recently, have I? Do you ever get that thought? You, you can be the most anointed what's it in town, but you can still have an inner battle that says, I haven't done very well recently. And then the next thought is, I guess he's quite disappointed with me, really. Yeah, he loves me. He'll be all right. I'll praise him. He'll look after me. But in that internal, intimate desire to really commune with him can be the thought, I guess he's... I guess he's disappointed, but, you know, tolerates me. I trust in the cross, so, you know, I'm in, but I'm kind of only in. That is the son of hell type thing, do you understand? Where it's all the time pushing down on you to say, let's check out how you've done first. So I think sometimes it's good just to repent. So Lord, I'm sorry for trying to get it right all the time because even that's a blockage to receiving the embrace. <laughs> Did you understand? You all look so sanctified, I'm nervous. <laughs> Did you understand? Sometimes it's just that internal area that says, I'm sure he wished I'd do better. Um, I was not bright at school, I have to confess to you. I, I really, really, really wasn't bright. I, I had a capacity to bump along the bottom of every bottom set. Honestly, it was not not good. And the number of reports that said, you know, what is it, the classic one? Could do better. Should try harder. You know, you just, after about the fourth one, you're kind of like, vroom, vroom. Yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, just, you know. <laughs> and it kind of, all, did it ever make me think, yes, okay, I'm on for it. Let's go. No, I, I just kind of sank lower. Yeah, I know. I'm a, I'm a rubbish. 
was the only conclusion, isn't it? No report like that ever made me jump up and say, right, I'm going to really go for this thing after all. He just went, could do better. Now, listen, listen, it's absolutely vital. Love keeps no record of wrongs. Love keeps no record of wrongs. You have to trust the cross. You have to trust the blood. It keeps no record. This is a different kind of love. This is a papa's love. That, that kind of, it's not, it's not, he, do you understand? It's not that he, he doesn't care about sin. Do you understand? It's just, it's being paid for. The deal is he wants to find us to come home. And he wants to knock away all the stupid hindrances that dog us and push us down, that pharisaical spirits want to push us down with by constantly reminding you of how bad you are, really. And um, this love call, every imperfect thing I could tell you is only a fraction of the wonder what his face is really like. Otherwise, we've got to chop out an awful lot of the Bible, haven't we? <laughs> so be able to repent of that and just say, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for even trying to get it right because actually that's prideful thinking that I could ever have intimacy with you through that route. That's what was paid for at the cross. The way's been opened. The axis is up. There's no condemnation. Fall on me, Holy Spirit. Come and get my heart. I want this homecoming embrace that helps me live loved by you. And the truth is in his sight, this is the truth, you are very lovable. That's the truth. You are very lovable. You are very lovable. <clears throat> um, so I want to pray I, is it okay if we just prayed I I quite like just to do a short other little bit I'm looking at Brownie because she's the boss you know that'd be okay I want to pray just for a minute that, um, and then we have a short break and I want to share a few of the hindrances that can just get in the way. Is, it, is you okay with that? The Holy Spirit's in the room at the moment and he's just drawing our hearts to be made tender so he can fall on us. And it can happen any time of the day. But I, if you want, excuse me, if you want, um, if you want him today to just somehow touch your heart, would you just stand up and then we're going to pray? I, I, I know it's all of us, so I'm sorry for that silly question. <laughs> but I just mean, if you'd like to stand up, if you don't, that's absolutely fine. See, he, he, does, he does love to embrace. He loves to embrace. So Holy Spirit, we we just keep welcoming um, 
this wonder that you've you're loosed in this place to bring us more home than ever the axis is up the blood has paid for it there's no condemnation and uh, so Holy Spirit would you just fall on us in the room here any time today any time any place Lord we're we're not going to we're not going to strain an inch. We do want to just come out from every stupid yoke of trying to get it right and open our hearts to you and say, Father, we'd like that heavy rain in the room here. We'd like the heavy rain. Just a few of you, just lay hands where you want to. Okay. Now come on, just open your heart to be embraced by him. and Don't, don't be distracted. This is just a moment, and um, if you're one of the team here, you want to just go lay hands on anybody, why don't you do that? And don't be distracted, don't be distracted by anybody else, just drink for a minute. If his face smiles on you, you won't be with a furrowed brow, because one smile tends to create another being smiled on doesn't usually make you frown <laughs> it just makes you go oh my goodness you enjoy me you enjoy me Holy Spirit pour in into every corner of our hearts Holy Spirit loose this wonder from heaven of a true daddy's love that wants to get your arms around us and bring us home some more. Just do it, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. Uh, you. You just just take a time. You know, you want to close your eyes, whatever you need to do. Just to imagine the smile on. It, it says Jesus is the lover of your soul. And and sometimes just imagining. Could he be like that? Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, you're the great homecoming signal to us. We, we, we pray over every heart here. Lord, you know where we're really at. We don't want to pretend. We don't want to um, have to be something else than you've made us. Lord, actually, we're after the freedom of being who you really made us because of your love. Just fill every heart here. Father, we ask this embrace will somehow sneak up on us today. <laughs> Shush and get us when we didn't even expect it, but we, we, we'd love that. Lord, I need that. I think everybody needs it, so we, we pray. Father, send heavy rain. Heavy rain on our hearts. Lord, lavish this Papa's love. Ah. Come on, just spend a few moments. There's no hurry. Sometimes we're so quick we miss the Holy Spirit's dance. And what it says there is, He will take great delight in you. That, that's better than me and my daughter. He will take great delight in you. 
Somewhere that has to have a smile in it, surely. <laughs> it kind of means he really does enjoy you as you are. The report card went on the cross. That's where it went. The report card went on the cross. Holy Spirit, please break deep set yokes today that, that sort of inhibit our hearts from really receiving an embrace. We welcome you. Lord, I pray you will really break should try harder. <laughs> That's a horror, isn't it? <laughs> that one can go for a starters, couldn't it? Should try harder, could do better. <laughs> Forty years in, it's pretty well failed. <laughs> Well, come on, if that's you, just you could say out loud, I repent of that, Lord. You know, sometimes saying out loud, I repent, is, a, is a just loses your heart. Lord, I, I repent of every self-effort. I repent of trying hard. I, I repent of trying to keep a record card. Just say whatever you need to repent of. When you say it out loud, you open the gates for the Lord to pour in. Thanks, Holy Spirit. Shabba. Come on, Holy Spirit. Pour in, pour in, pour in. Just lavish. Lord, get to corners of our heart that feel dead. Get to corners of our hearts that feel untouched and need the emotional warmth of your love. Hey. Every minute of this day, let this room have heavy rain in it. <clears throat> Hi. Well, let's just take a four-minute, five-minute break. <laughs> I don't know why I said four. Just 
still teach from me. Just take a five-minute break. I just want to share a few things before 12. You can come back in a few minutes. You want to take a loose stop, whatever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. journey, and I I know you know this, but I'm going to highlight it because it's helped me a lot. In my own journey of uh, kind of recovering this closeness with him as a father and letting him father me, there have been all sorts of views of him that until he's turned the light on, I never realized how ingrained they were in me. Um, uh, You know when God says, um, you you will not have any false idols. Well, an idol is simply a completely distorted view of what he's really like. You're not to bow down or worship any idols. Well, I carried inside me views of him that were so ingrained that I could know something up here that was true, but from here I had a different view of him from which I really operated from because it's with the heart man believes. Right? So what was up here, truth, was different to what was in here, my belief system, with the heart man believes. And until the Holy Spirit began to reveal to my heart how ingrained my views were, I just carried this strange dilemma of knowing something but actually operating in my relationship with him from here. How many of you know if you've got the, an idol, it can rob you of intimacy? Because this is what's going to kick in every time, is that's what I really believe. So, um, <clears throat> uh, when I Skype my daughter, as an example, um, because the Skype is signal, I'm not very good on all this, Hedam will tell me she's young enough or brownie will. Because the Skype signal down where she is in Africa is, uh, comes up and down like that. Uh, I have a beautiful picture of her and then suddenly, to my horror, her whole face starts to fall apart in this distorted, fragmented... And, and she looks appalling. I think, ah, who are you? <laughs> so, um, and I love it when the signal comes back strong enough. Like, oh, you are beautiful after all. Yeah, there's a, a person I know. But, but it's, it's a horrible... And the cheek starts falling away and the, it all fragments. So, um, uh, at the end of... Um, Jesus' prayer in John 17. This is what he prays. I want you to hear this because this is the last thing he says before he goes to the cross. And you all know that's the big deal of what he keeps to the end of the whole of the end is the big deal. 
This is what Jesus prays at the end of John 17's phenomenal prayer that we're in the middle of being answered. For you know a bride is being put together again on the earth at this time that's never been seen before. You know that, don't you? You know his prayer for extraordinary oneness is beginning to happen in an unprecedented way. I just thought I'd sneak that in. John 17 is being answered gradually in our day because the bride is being awakened so that that can happen. But the last verse, which is the bit I wanted to just emphasize, is this. It says this. I'm going to have to use you again, John. I'll pay you later, okay? Just, just take it. It's just because you're one of his favorites. Don't get snarky, because everybody is. <clears throat> this is what Jesus would pray over John. Father, this is John 6, 17, verse 26. Father, I have made you known to John. Okay? That itself is staggering enough. Father, I've, my whole time with John, I've been making you known to him. I've been taking off all the shadows, the mists, the distortions, the idols. I've been taking them all out of his heart and I've been making you known to John, Father. Then he says this, and I will continue to make you known to John. Sounds like there's a journey on, doesn't it? sounds like every one of us is caught up with an astonishing journey where Jesus himself began to make known the Father to us and he's going to continue to make known the Father to us. Why? Look at this. Listen to this. Forgive me getting excited. I know it's Monday, but listen. It says this. So that, Father, the love you have for me may be where? In John. And that I too may be in John. So, that is the final sentence of the most amazing cosmic prayer he prayed. The last thing he said is, Father, I've begun to do this amazing revelation of what your face is really like. I've begun to open the windows of heaven. Forgive me getting excited to John. And not only have I begun to, but I'm going to continue to do it until this love you have for me has so seeped down through all the barriers and got to the, oh, give me, the bottom of his heart. Ah. He hasn't had any donuts for a month, honest. <laughs> See, do you understand? So, so Jesus' prayer is a living prayer today for you and me. We're right in the middle of this downpour where the Holy Spirit wants to make the Father so known to us until the love he has for Jesus has gone right to the bottom of our hearts and we're absolutely filled with that same love. Forgive me getting excited. It's just quite an exciting prayer. And I'm saying, yes, please, Jesus, will you continue to make the Father known even today so that the love you have for Jesus may begin to seep down to the very bottom of my heart and you break up all these idols and wrong sets in here so that I can begin to genuinely say, yep, I'm beginning to get it with a heart man believes. Father, you're amazingly affectionate to me all the time. And you know the deal, and I know the deal. The thing that so often spoils us is any experiences of fathering, there's a white four-by-four parked in front of one of our neighbor's units. It's amazing you could say, is that from the Lord? <laughs> Look at it. All right. I'm sorry. It's very personal, isn't it? You get the name of the car, you get the, the make, you get whatever it is. <laughs> they don't say there's a broken-up old Volvo out there that needs removing <laughs> Who 
Phil told me to park my car around the back. He said it really shouldn't be at the front here. <laughs> Listen, I know I'm not. Yes, real quick you did. I mean, the, the, the point is this is, a lot of these idols in my heart, these views of his face were formed from my experience of earthly fathering that settled in me something I couldn't get away from so that whenever somebody said father it had an image it brought up for me because of my natural earthly experiences and I know you know this but I just wanted to highlight it again it actually is quite a deal I've talked to hundreds of people where some people when you say father they even wince and go into pain I remember we talked somewhere about fathering and, and a woman began to wail at the back just at the mention of the word father. You can guess why. See? And, and there's no point in us avoiding the reality that our hearts are formed by that natural experience and you can understand the work of Jesus is to take us out of all those deep-set impressions about him, break them up and then begin to reveal what your real father's face is like so his love can fill you. And, and y- you know, um, I hear one horrendous story after another of how a father has treated a son or a daughter and I wonder how they're going to make the journey from this, this experience of what father means to this amazing revelation of what he wants to be to us. Did you understand? And uh, you know, I, m- my own experience, for what it's worth, and we're not here to diss fathers or mothers, but we have to understand that they form our hearts so profoundly that sometimes it's a real hindrance to try and get through that to genuinely encounter this heavenly father. Uh, I don't know what sort of father or mother you have. I'm not here to expose that. Dis- I'm just here to highlight the fact that the experiences you and I have can linger on for some time as a blockage that needs undoing, like the Skype picture, you know. It's fragmented him from who he really is and he wants to clarify it again so you could live under his smile. I had a real passive father. Um, my father was in the military. Um, I don't know now, but he, he, he was in the military. If you like, he was married to the Air Force. And if you know about the military, it's a weird setup. But he was married to the Air Force, if you like, and my mother would acknowledge that. And so he was away a lot, a huge amount. And then when he was at home, he was very passive. And so um, that is when he was in the home, he was there, but he was not there. And how many know passive fathering is very disorientating because they're there, but they're not able to express anything that looks you in the eye and calls you into life. They're not able to look you in the eye and call you into who you are because their passivity from their own background leaves them completely unable to be expressive. Physically, emotionally, whatever, there's no hug. My dad would be in the house, but somehow I could never find him. You know, the newspaper was up or he was downstairs doing DIY. I have no memory of connecting in a kind of, you know what I mean, a real, con- there's nothing there, that's not to be bleak, that's just how it was. And then I was sent to boarding school, and some of you heard the story, and, I, and, and, and left home at eight as a home permanently. For me, journeying back into being father, therefore, uh, has been most challenging to imagine him as an active running towards me intentionally always there for me fathering because my experience was that's not what dads are like they're just he provided 
There was plenty of provision. So I've never had trouble believing God for provision because I've always understood fathering brings provision. But fathering that's intentionally engaging, excuse me, John, so sorry, I had no experience of it. So it took me some time to actually forgive my dad properly that he was never there and make a journey where I could be, you know, kind of, Read internally to thinking fathers are there, but they're not interested in me personally. Does that make sense? You know, I think Psalm 139 is the father's psalm. You know when I get up, you know when I rise, you know what's in my mouth, you know the first thought. You, you, you just, and it's not like, yes, he's all sovereign and knows everything. <gasps> oh my goodness, yikes, he knows every thought. Ah! It's, it's not like that in the psalm. The psalm says, such thoughts are too wonderful for me that you'd be that intimate, close on every detail. You'd always be around me as a dad. So whether you had a father who was passive, whether you had a father who was more performance-driven, you know, and kind of, you know what, forgive me, some Christian homes are even a bit performance-driven. Don't tell anybody. Why? Because because we think we've got to get it right so we encourage that in our children you've got to get it right and then we're thrilled with you it's such a horrible kind of foundation isn't it you know when when somebody comes oh you know well done Johnny you've tidied your bedroom we really love you give us a hug you've built a foundational message in haven't you you get a hug when you get it right so performance Passive, you know all the ones. Abusive. You know when somebody has an abusive mum or dad? It makes somebody in their deep down in their heart afraid of God as a father. Because they can't be sure it's safe to give their hearts. And, you know, I, I hear stories that just shock me still. How could they make the journey from that experience of what Papa, Father means, where there's been abuse? How could they make the journey to genuinely coming home to one they could trust and feel safe with? Well, the answer is that's what the cross was for again, was to demolish the deep-set experiences that formed our heart's trust and lead us home with an embrace that settled it from heaven. And those sort of father types, we go through them all, there's abusive, there's passive, there's performance, there's absent. That's a shocking one, isn't it? When when a a daddy's absent. What does that do for the heart of a believer trying to trust? It just means he may leave me like all fathers left me. If I really trust him, he may suddenly leave again. So the fear of abandonment comes absent fathers who left for whatever reason. You know, well, it wasn't their fault. I know. But it affected the heart's ability to be fathered. <clears throat> I've just probably murdered a whole talk that you should hear about fathers. But I wanted to highlight it because actually it does go on affecting us. Um, I've sometimes kind of quoted a rather soppy story because it helps me. But you've all seen the film another film you've all seen the film of the railway children it's another return story 
it's another return story. And in the railway children, the deal simply is the father has to go because he's taken away. And he's taken away shockingly from the family table. And, you know, the kids go and live with their mum up north and so on and so on. And in the story, I won't go into it all now, but the eldest girl, who's about 17 by now, one day, they live near a railway, old railway, oh, lovely old steam railway, you know, <laughs> steam everywhere, beautiful engines. Those were the days. Okay, stop it. So, um, and one day she's told that by her mum, she's got to go and meet a visitor from the station, you know, who's coming to visit, and would she just pop down and meet this person? And um, so she goes down to the station, really old-fashioned, and this big steam train comes in, stops, smoke everywhere, and the door's all open, and she's standing by the exit door here, along the platform, and people are coming out past her. And uh, she's looking, thinking, I don't know who I'm meant to meet, but I guess they're here somewhere, and I'm standing, obviously, and as they're going out through the doors, the last one leaves. And then all the doors slammed. Whistle blows, there's smoke everywhere around the station. Just everywhere. The train begins to puff more out and leaves, and she's thinking, well, I've missed it somewhere. She stands there, and as the smoke begins to clear down the platform, she can just make out the shadow. And as she looks at the shadow of somebody, as it clears to her astonishment, it's her daddy's home from prison, where he was wrongly imprisoned. As she sees him, she just shouts, My daddy, my daddy, and runs down the platform and he opens his arms again and hugs her there's another little prophetic story of a reconciled heart of a little girl to her daddy the point of the story being it needed the mist to clear for her to see his face that it was him and we ask the Holy Spirit don't we would you clear away all my wrong views that are so ingrained my fears my you know, impressions about him that got so deeply ingrained when I was that little kid of three or four and all that went on in my home. Holy Spirit, redeem me from that so I can have a heart that could really believe how amazing you are as a papa to me. And I can welcome that. And 1726, John 1726 begins to come into play. I'll go on making you known so the love you have for me can be in them. I don't know what to do now. <laughs> uh, what do you want to do, Heather? It's lunchtime. Let's just pray and then we'll go for lunch, huh? That's all right, isn't it? You okay? I'll tell you what we could do. We could just, we could pray a repentance prayer, couldn't we? We could just, just tell him we're, we're just repenting of any wrong images or views we hold of him. Are you okay to do that? Every repentance just opens the door for, for rescue to come to our hearts. So if you like my prayer, you can say Amen. If you don't, you don't need to say Amen. Okay. So Father, we, we love every story where myths are cleared, um, idols are broken, wrong views demolished, and we get to run a bit closer to you as you really are. 
And so, Father, I confess out loud to every wrong view, every deep-set belief I've had in my heart that's foreign to what Jesus has said. I confess to that stuff. Father, I repent of every wrong view. Father, I repent of every way I've seen you wrongly and distorted your face. Father, I ask you forgiveness. I forgive my dad. And Father, I ask you to clear the mess for every one of us in the room here. Loose again that wonderful clearing of our hearts to believe and trust that we have a heavenly Father who's a billion times better than anyone on earth, even the best of fathers. So, Lord, we, again, we ask you, clear our hearts of some things that stand in the way. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Well, if you're sitting there going, don't stop now, I'm just getting the hang of this. Don't worry, there's going to be more later on this afternoon.